0: hey fellow tennis nerds today we have something a bit different we have a bunch of stringing legends joining us uh stringers from the labor cup with with the long history in the stringing game Uh, and we're going to talk about their experience there and we're also going to talk to the guy who came up with the idea for this this call which i'm looking forward to dennis fabian from head so dennis Tell me a little bit about how you came up with this and the, the process of selecting stringers for the Labor Cup and the, the whole deal there.
1: Thanks, Jonas. Yeah, first of all, I would like to thank you to give us actually the opportunity and also give uh, the team here on the call and on the podcast the opportunity to speak to your community um, because I think stringers um, very little get the opportunity to really talk to um, to to a community of, of fans and and. Tennis nerds. Um, yeah, the way how we select the team. So that's why I saw it also the Labour Cup in particular is, is interesting to hear the perspectives of the stringers because it's more or less a boutique stringing service because it's different than other tournaments. Obviously, it's an invitational tournament for the players. Uh, they represent like either the rest of the world or Europe. But it's, it's for them as well. They come together and kind of a fun one in particular has been super special because of all the circumstances around it, with with Roger retiring, Rafa participating, Novak being there. And yeah, like last year in Boston, we already did with head the streaming service, and and we made a clear decision. We said like, okay, if the the labor cup is happening in North America, we're going to take an experienced team out of the North American region. If it's going to be happening in Europe, we're going to take a a European uh, driven team. And also this year um, is a milestone for us as head as well because it's the first time that we basically have um, partnered up and and basically officially showed up uh, in partnership with the grsa with the global record Stringer association um, because all the guys on the call are members and managers in respective countries partly and so Yeah, and with the connection with Richard, knowing Q from from a lot of symposiums, tournaments, it was a no-brainer to get him on board. Martin representing the head brand um, in Germany, like at the absolute forefront as a a retailer, as a go-to person for a lot of players for customizing, uh, representing the brand at Stringing Services in specifically the DACH region, which is Germany, Austria, Switzerland. Uh, same counts for Edwin and the Benelux, um, also big uh, representative uh, retail partner of HET, uh, trustful guy has worked with us in, in Madrid at the ATP 1000 already. So um, no words needed about Richard. We had already a podcast about him and what he's doing. And um, yeah, last but not least, and I don't want to forget about him because he was basically there, is, is Mauro Pinafo, who has joined Head back. Uh, basically, after a few years of a sidetrack, um, as a senior product manager for accessories and balls, and he has been leading up the team together with Richard in in London. And now I would love to hand over enough speech here um, and enjoy the stories of each of the guys.
0: Great. Okay, I think uh, we could start uh, with uh, a guy who's been on here a few times, uh, Richard maybe you can say a few words and say hello and maybe what uh, you're doing with the GRSA. So uh, we can get a quick intro on that.
2: Thank you, Jonas. Um, Yeah. What have I been doing lately? Well, um, I have done quite a few tournaments this year, this year which as you know I don't do that many anymore um luckily again the the wimbledon which is um which is something very very special then there's also we've done geneva and berlin and now obviously Labour Cup, which is um to say it's special is an absolute understatement. It, it was a, it was a great event to be part of, and something that is absolutely memorable. So, for the whole team to be part of GRSA, and let's say the head stringing team for Labour Cup was powered by GRSA members, managers. So the expertise in the room was was extensive. It was um, a very very strong team. So GRSA at the moment is is going strength to strength um obviously we spoke at the beginning when we were just launching which has now been over six months and really the way that it's being received it's good it's we're we're actually getting we're creating the impact that we wanted and we're looking for 2023 to really really consolidate it um take it to the next level so that's it's the only thing I can say it's all positive. We have new brands coming on for next year already. So that's um, that's good. Obviously, we've had Head and Wilson as our major partners from the beginning, Dennis being uh, an integral part of the um of the well, let's say not say setting up, but of the the support that is needed to to actually move an association of this level of this size or how we would like to do it to move it forward so um for all of us to be there in london together was uh was great and it also meant that we could have some downtime because it's not like a normal tournament where you're going to end at 11 or 12 at night except for the month or that friday night when um roger um had his last match that one that was a late one and it was an early start the next morning as we're um we're all experienced stringers. We know what it's about. So, I mean, as um, anyone who's done Madrid, you know, you can finish at three or four in the morning and have to be back there at eight in the morning. So, these this wasn't as bad, but it was um, it was absolutely excellent. So, that's just a little bit about what I'm doing now. Instead of me get carrying on, I'm sure I'll pass over.
0: Great. Okay. Thanks, Richard. Uh, let's go to Hugh. Hi. Um, well, thanks
3: for having me on the on the call. Firstly, um, well, I, I sort of got in. Going to string, I've been stringing now since I was about 18, probably a very similar story to a lot of other people. I was costing my parents a small fortune in re uh, snapping strings in tournaments. So they t- said for me, sat me down said, for your 18th birthday, uh, you would like a stringing machine, wouldn't you? So that's how it started, the little um, relatively cheap drop weight machine. Um, fast forward about, well, roughly 20 years, um, Took things a bit more seriously. Started doing some tournaments. Um, I do quite a few of the the UK uh, grass court events uh, here. Um, Worked with Richard at Wimbledon, which has been, you know, as, as you would expect. Wimbledon is obviously a, a massive privilege to be part of. I've been doing that for the last seven or eight years. It's long hours. It can be, you know, in certain parts of the the tournament, are quite brutal. But you know it's Wimbledon you know so there's, there's you know it's a very it's one of the best places to be if you love tennis so um this year has been well let's say it's been a bit different um so you know had Wimbledon I had my usual grass court events I was then thrilled to be asked to do the Labour Cup and there's it, it, been a couple of firsts for me this year as Richard alluded to Labour Cup was very you know very special um you know I, I, massive you know like all the big four but I'm a massive Federer fan so to be to be involved you know you just look up and from the stringing machine and there's legends walking past Federer the big four Laver McEnroe you know Borg um, even Stan Smith you know walking walking past you know and he was wearing his Stan Smiths which was brilliant so it's just it's hard to describe you know if you're a tennis fan it's just you know, to, and then to actually be working there as well and working for the players was brilliant. Um just before that I got to do my first Davis Cup um looking after the Netherlands in Glasgow and then uh next not next week the week after next I'm working at the Billy King Cup as well the Fed Cup. You know it's quite quite been quite a year from that perspective but um you know like Richard said you know I also you know you know with honorable mention that I you know taken up the uk manager role of grsa over here again like richard said it's all very positive it's a very positive thing for the industry it's it's good for you know the brands are getting getting on board getting giving the support behind it which is is what's needed um you know 22 has, has been for me personally quite a positive year for stringing quite positive as well and hopefully it can kick on next year and beyond so that's me
0: that's great. thanks you. Great story. Uh, nice to hear about the, how it is to string at the Labor Cup and if you want to add uh, about that, that experience because I am I went to the Labor Cup once uh, as a kind of a sponsor invite and it was amazing. It's an amazing tournament and I, I'm keen to hear your, your thoughts about being there, especially this year because it's Federer's retirement so it was a bit of an extra special with all these players. Mm. Uh, so we can uh, move on to Martin.
4: Yeah, good morning. <clears throat> yeah, basically... Um... Uh, as Richard and you already said, my story is pretty similar to, to theirs. Uh, he was just describing how he started stringing. For me, it was pretty similar. It um, was at the age of 16, but uh, I developed starting stringing for myself and uh, went on and trying to improve, started on tournaments. And yeah, a couple of years ago, I even uh, did it more uh, intense. Uh, to uh, string on uh, tour tournaments the Lever Cup event, of course, which was the m- most special for me uh, up to now because of the situation uh, with the Federer's retirement. Um, uh, it's very. <clears throat> it's not necessary to find any words. It's very, very special, and um, the whole history of stringing and customizing. Also, um, there was a, the partner was always, always had with me, and um, so I'm really thankful to what um, to what head did for me by letting me participate in the team this year.
0: Yeah, so long, long history of stringing and yeah, usually you end up in it because you break strings, I guess. <laughs> that's, that's how you start. That's correct. <laughs> yeah, this is good. Everybody needs to learn how to string. I think that is a good, important message to the tennis nerd community. Thanks, Martin. Uh, let's move over to Edwin.
5: Hey, good morning. Yes, uh, similar for me. I'm starting with tennis when I was 13 years. And from that moment, I was not off the court. Every, my whole life is tennis. When I was 18, my old teachers from school were starting a tennis club and I, school was not good for me. So I wanted to be a tennis teacher. I did my exams. And from that moment, I was giving tennis lessons. Still, I still do it. Uh, and then, yeah, my students want to know what st- stuff they need. So I started a, a tennis shop. So I do that now for... 45 years that's that's the main thing from me to do stringing I do it all my life from starting from my own records now the whole day stringing for all people who are yeah, in, in my area and from I think 2014 I'm stringing on a higher level with starting the courses I, I went to Richard for one day uh, for private lessons and from now, and I can say I've been pro to stringer. Uh, I did uh, 2018, I was in Australian Open and two years I did Madrid Open. And this year, uh, yeah, I got the invitation from Head to do the Lever Cup. So that was, I'm very proud of that, to be there on that team and then stringing, yeah, with the best stringers of the world. And Edwin,
1: you you have uh, one of the most popular tennis balls in the world traveling with you, right? (laughs) It's a social media star.
5: Yeah, that's true. My nickname is Eddie. And I take Eddie with me every time where I'm there. Everybody is talking about it. I use it in all my advertisements. And yeah, that's very good.
0: Thanks, Edwin. Uh, Let's go over to, to
6: Mauro then. Yes. Hi, Jonas. Thank you. So as Danny mentioned, I am the product manager for Strings Machine Accessories here at HEAD. I worked already for HEAD years ago. I'm an engineer other than a product manager, so I actually developed the first HEAD string machine in 2014, I think I remember. And then now we are the third generation, thanks to Danny's development in the last years. I also started, I also was part of the organization of the first uh, head stringing service at Indian Wells in 2015, I think I remember. Yeah, so that's, those were the years where head came uh, strongly in the head stringing uh, services and the level we have uh, reached now at the Labour Cup, uh, it was really unbelievable. I was really happy to be part of this um, team and this organization together with Richard and the team. And I think the level we offered was uh, really, really high. The team was able to um, create a trusted relationship with the players. That was the most important uh, thing for me. Uh, Players were coming, some of them asking also for suggestions about tension, about how to solve some breakages of the strings, on the the knots. So um, I think this is really important to show the expertise of these uh, guys and uh, really the level that we can offer in such a special event. Of course, they are very competitive, but also more open to, to talk, to express their needs, what they need, what they like from the racket. And the team was able to deliver this at the highest level.
1: Maybe a couple of words from, from my side as well to add on to Mauro for, for your for your tennis fans out there because Mauro and I also go back into a history where we have worked together at Prince, uh, where we um, both together kind of developed a lot of Prince strings that are still on the market out there today. And then obviously Mauro took his turn and started his role and kicked off everything here at head for, for this category and stuff. Uh, I was lucky enough to... Um, Your yeah, uh, joint head in 2017, and, and now I would even call it the dream team is back. Um, with his engineering background, his expertise on 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 that side of the business, and and me being also like more on the let's say stringers and players and marketing side, that there will be like I hope the other brands are already shaking a little bit. Just kidding, because um, there will be a lot more coming in the near future. And, and overall, the past couple of years, also, thanks to especially the people that are here on the call. And I could mention a couple, a handful of more um, that are mainly based over in the US, just to name a few, like Mike Stevens and, and um, those guys, Julian Lee and um, uh, Jim Dows and, and Thomas Stilwell, who are like also part of like the head, head team overall globally. Um, I'm super proud that we have together raised the bar um, so high, um, and I think any brand that is working with those guys in the future, because obviously they they are on their own uh, on the road. So like obviously other brands, they are also stringing for other brands, which is fine for us. Um, they can be be happy to have them on the team. I'm super happy because we can fully rely on every single day for every single racket. I would plan- Put, like a German saying, "Put my hand into the fire." Um, that that the quality will always be hundred percent. None of these ever will. Like when players step up to the desk or something and keep complaining, I'm like, no, no chance. You can't complain. This this is the same way. It's Champions League, you know. And that made me really proud to see the dynamic. Um, see a guy like Richard leading up the team. I mean, it was just fantastic to me to experience that and and keeping experience it and Mauro and I want to give the stringers more visibility. Uh, we want to give them a better opportunity that people really understand about what they are actually doing because it's probably one of the most underestimated work that is done in tennis at any tournament. And also hopefully a couple of tournament directors will listen about how they get treated and stuff and then. Probably these guys could go on for hours right now of telling stories of like, oh, where's the restroom? Oh, you don't have access to the restroom? Well, you're just a stringer, right? Like, so obviously stringers don't need restrooms or something, I don't know. It's kind of funny, uh, the stories that, that we hear partly and you see them all laughing right now. And that's also where Mauro and I will, and, and, and Head as a brand is standing for that we want to offer um, the best treatment to those guys and I hope uh, if, if I now need to leave because they are not in my uh, my opinion then, then I'm lost but I hope they can they can support that message now I shut up again sorry
0: no but it's a good point I think it, it's also something I want to highlight on Tennis Nerd and, and the stuff uh, that I do is that the stringing of a racket is as important as the racket and uh, obviously the strings are what makes contact with the ball we've said that many many times and the the person who strings make a big difference. You know, it's a a very important part of what's happening in an ATP, WTA, whatever event. So I think the players are starting to realize it. Maybe they always did, but I think that's definitely out there now. But I also think people in general are starting to understand a bit more, but still maybe more work to be done there. But definitely the stringer deserves... Uh, more of a highlight you know and if if you play with a bad string job and a good string job it makes a huge difference anyone who knows a little bit about gear will tell you that or a bit about tennis so uh, interesting to hear your point of view and i think it's good that some brands take really a stand uh, behind the stringers and create a better atmosphere for stringers because it can be a very rough job standing for many hours and and stringing rackets and uh, yeah I mean, if you have anything there you want to share as well you just and do it uh, i'm always keen to to listen to the stories and i'm also keen to hear uh, especially relating to um, to the story of players asking you for uh, maybe advice or saying hey you know i'm i'm always breaking strings at this point or is there something I can do to have better durability or more power or more control or something? How often does that happen, the interaction between the stringer and, and player? Uh, do you get a lot of questions for the players? Is it on and off? Uh, if anyone has anything to share there, I would be very keen to, to hear that.
2: There was an issue, let's say, with, um, with a player who was Mateo. And suddenly we found that the string was breaking in a certain point. So we had to try and find a solution to that, which is obviously that's part and parcel of of what we do is when, when a player is is has an issue, then obviously we're the only persons there who can try and help him. And he obviously doesn't know anything about it. So we were having a problem with the string breaking on the outside main when it was going into the curve as it came down towards the throat. So the first thing we did obviously was tube the the grommet that didn't help so then again the string popped exactly the same place so we said okay well let's take the actual speed of the tension head down to the slowest um speed which that often happens if a if a stringing machine has a tension head that is very fast that is quite aggressive that that really picks up speed very quickly that can create certain problems on certain strings if they're soft, thin. So the next um, thing that we put in place was lowering the tension, lowering the tension head speed, which we did. And that solved the problem pretty much for for about three or four days. And then at another point, suddenly all of the rackets the strings were breaking in different points, but halfway up the frame. So there was no rhyme or reason why it would suddenly happen. And we suddenly had this issue where Matteo was, was practicing, and he they were just bringing us in one racket after the other, after the other, after the other. And we were having to deal with it. So at that point, he was actually down to his last racket. We had four rackets. So we had the four machines with his frames, doing them as quickly as possible. He then broke the last one he had and finished off the um, the warm up or the the hitting session with a frame with a broken string. There was obviously we just couldn't get them. They were breaking too quickly for us, where we couldn't deal with that. And there really there was no rhyme or reason why this was happening. And in the end. The other rackets that we did for him all worked perfectly. So he got through his matches, he was, he was fine. But we, we had to deal with something, something like that. And in a way, dealing with issues like that just comes from experience. So as it was in a very, very experienced uh, team, we could all put our heads together and just um, look at how we could find a solution, we were dealing with him and his agent. So, you know, it was all of us. And so he took notes. And then we also dealt with uh, the fact that all of the training and, uh, and, the, um, and the warm-ups they were doing all the way through the week were pretty much to a closed stadium. Which means that the stadium, once you get the 18 or 20,000 people in there, the temperature goes up easily by let's say five five degrees well that difference in temperature suddenly means that the ball can start flying more so we did have conversations with the players about uh, maybe having going on court with two different tensions, a slightly higher one, so that if they found that the temperature had gone up and the ball was flying slightly, they could then change very, very easily from one racket to the other, throw the rackets back to us so we could then restring them out the, to the higher tension, if needed. And um, and we managed to go through it where no player had really had any, any issues at all. Um, with that, I'd also like to say... We had the room divided in blue and red, so we had the blue machines on the left, red machines on the right. And one of the original discussions was, well, what about if we string all the red guys on the red machines and the blue guys on the blue machines but we we quickly realized that was no way would that be possible for the simple reason that we didn't know when they were going to be coming in the time needed to to do them so in the end it was um getting the rackets done when they were needed for so that we could uh give the perfect um, stringing service that we wanted and getting the rackets out on time. And pretty much all of us were stringing at exactly the same DT. So with that it we were all using the Parnell knot. So all of the rackets, whether it was strung by myself, Hugh, Erwin, or um, Edwin, sorry, Edwin or Martin, it made no difference. They were coming out exactly the same. And at some points we had to split rackets. Not very often, it's not something that we would normally do. But um, at certain points, if we needed to get rackets done, and I believe there was one time when we had Novaks, where we had quite a few that needed to be done and they needed to be done straight away. So, hey, we got them on. They all came out of the same DT, all looked exactly the same. So there's... um, there really wasn't an issue, and all the machines were actually pulling at perfect tension. So we didn't have an issue of one machine pulling slightly tighter. And as we were checking the the every racket that came off, we were checking it with uh, with the D with the ERT three hundred, which we all had, and we just checked it, and all the DTS were perfect. So it just meant that we had the confidence to be able to, if a racket came in, and let's say. I was, petite, I was doing one particular player it didn't make a difference if we had to suddenly push one to another machine it just meant that we could do everything perfectly so so yeah it was um the whole thing really was was very was was successful and dealing with them I think the only player that we did have that problem was with um, with Matteo and in the end it worked out all right on the match day so that was the main thing.
1: And one thing to mention here because before all the comments gonna start on the um on the comments section in your in your postings uh, jonas um, yes the guys checked the grommets yeah uh, because that that might be the one. why didn't they just quickly check the grommets and uh, yes there might have been an issue on uh, because if it happens on multiple frames then it can't be like an easy fix because that would be weird um, sometimes you have this, and also for your listeners, no matter which brand you take, it, it can happen also in string production. Obviously, those monofilament strings are extruded um, and 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 they are coiled and they are they are running through various processes. And Mauro can even could even speak more to this, and I don't think we want to go into full detail here. But like during the extrusion, coiling, stretching process, if one of those reels where the string gets pulled like it slips slightly, it it can make some inside damages that you you would never see. You would just never see. And all of a sudden, it happens that you have a reel of a string where all of a sudden can happen that randomly a string breaks and nobody knows why. And, and it, it could be as easy as that. Um, or even the temperature in the facility has changed by one degree. And all of a sudden, you have a slightly different humidity that goes into the raw material. And all of a sudden, you you might have a problem. And this can happen to anyone. Everyone has high QC standards and stuff. I just want to point this out, that nobody gets a feeling that we want to put anyone on display here in terms of the product or something. Because that's important to me. We never do this.
0: No, but it's interesting to hear these kind of practical stories that pop up because I think people don't understand. Like it's just like string, 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 string. But I think at any tournament, and you, if you have any interesting stories, please share. There would be stuff that happens and it would put a lot of stress on you guys as a team or as an individual stringer that you have to solve this certain issue that popped up from nowhere. You know, you wouldn't expect this problem to keep happening with all his frames. It would be more like, okay, it's a grommet thing, it's something, you know, in, in your your own mind you would think that so that's very interesting to hear and i don't think people know what kind of stresses and stuff that is happening when you're running a stringing service because it's pretty intense pace all the time especially for grand slams and so on
2: i mean that that was probably the moment when the the stress level was the highest in the room solely because we had a serious problem that was affecting a player in a way that we knew we had to find the solution and we thought that we'd found it and now whether we did or not we still don't know we're out about that but one of the things and we've had this with other very thin strings if you lower the the tension head speed and the head the head machine is actually quite gentle on the string it's not an aggressive machine the tension head isn't as fast as, um, or as quick to get to, to tension as certain other machines. So it's, we we never normally have any issue with that, but even so we still took the tension down. So, um, hey, that's one of the, so if there's some advice for anyone who's having problems with strings popping in certain places, take the speed of the tension head down, see if that alters anything. Also, there's another one which is putting, putting say a business card folded in half in the tension head jaws, <laughs> so that it actually grips the the string a little bit more loosely um, or not as not as tight so it's not as aggressive on it and that's that's a way of um, doing that so there's two pieces of advice for anyone any of any of your tennis nerds who who string themselves or or have issues of that um, of
0: that type then that's just a couple of um, tips going out. Cool. Anyone has any interesting stories to share in general or just the experience of, of stringing at the Labour Cup? This being a very special year now with, with the, f- the four, the big four or whatever you call them. I saw Andy Murray, he posted that uh, one, three goats and a clown. <laughs> he, he always has a good sense of humour about it. Uh, but uh, I would he's definitely part of the big four and it was for, for a while.
2: Roger, when he actually brought his rackets up
0: with his strings,
2: he said, uh, so how does this work again? I've forgotten it's been so long. So I turned around and said, "Um, and your name is Sir." So I, it's you know, he it had been a while. So he brought his uh his rackets in. There was there was that, but apart from that, it was pretty seamless. So there's definitely no issues. We did have to check the players; they were receiving the Labor Cup um, frames. So we had uh, the machine there to check all the DT, the the sorry, the inertia, balance points and, and weight. So we made sure. So I think the players like us just to check them when they receive new frames, mm. just to make sure that everything <coughs> is as it should be, which we did. And um there on, then we could give them the the rackets that they needed and they went off and played with them.
3: So uh that was good. One of the one of the funny things that if, if anybody saw it, they'd wonder what the hell we were doing kind of thing. Basically, Andy had his new frames and he was asking about what you need, you know, to bed the grommets in. So we were chatting with him saying about stringing a couple of pounds tighter just to get them to sit better. Cam Norrie was stood next to him at the same time and uh, and said, oh, you know, I, I've, I've got some new frames, you know, from my sponsor. Can I... Can I can I get them strung up? You know, so you know, and, and just leave them with you for a few days to sit. So yeah, no problem. So so we've got the rackets in. I think it was Edwin, didn't you? You strung them, didn't yeah. you? Knew where we, yeah, was and the first and basically, <laughs> w- when you do that, you don't need to bother weaving. You you just basically put the strings in, and they're the most uniform straight strings you'll ever see because they weren't, you know, woven into the frame. They were just straight across like that, and it's uh, that that for me was you know half tempted to give that back to the player and go there you go ready for your match and then just see what they would say you know
0: when you have these events for example when you string do you get a sense of how much uh, the player understands of the process of stringing i saw you richard you did uh, this video for for head with taylor fritz and uh, yep. who, who else was it <laughs> Diego Schwartzman. Yeah, yeah yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I mean do they know how to string do they have any idea what goes into stringing I'm I'm keen to hear how much much they know about this uh, the stringing Diego's game.
3: Diego is joining the stringing team next year actually. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well actually both of them said
2: that they had tried stringing but a long time ago when they were young kids. So Diego obviously Spanish speaking so um, for us it was very very easy and the link and I think that's probably another thing Um, quite a few of us speak different languages and when you when you deal with a player in their own language it's so much easier they can express their feelings more uh, more easily so with Diego obviously we were talking in Spanish and he said that he used to travel with one of the little portable machines so that he could look after his own frame. So he had had definite stringing experience, hadn't strung for quite a while. And I think that Taylor also said that he'd strung when he was um, much, much smaller, but he'd forgotten how to do it. So both of them got on the machine and uh, managed to do a couple of crosses. And then um, I don't know if you've seen it where they were actually measuring the string and they had to measure 12, 12 meters and they had to measure it um in whichever way they wanted without using a measure and diego did it he said okay well i'll use a racket so he measured it and literally he was two centimeters over 12 meters so to do that and actually do it on the racket i don't think i could do that i mean he really he really was really really good at that and he pretty much won the the string off between himself and, and Taylor. And it was, it was, it was a good, it was a bit of fun, which often is, uh, is nice in, in that sort of thing. And as it's labor cut, there's less rackets. It means we have a little bit more downtime. So something to fill that, create some, some fun, get some interaction with the players. So it's, uh, so it was, it was, it was excellent, but they, both of them had experience with stringing. And I think for that, when they were trying to do the crosses, they realized how, how much uh, a stringer needs to be an expert to be able to do their rackets and you mentioned it at the beginning where you know the the actual craft or the art of stringing isn't recognized the way in the in the way that it should be now going back to GRSA that's one of the things that we have an advisory board and Dennis is on the advisory board which uh, which is obviously really good we also have Ron Rocky from Wilson on the advisory board. And this is something that we've all agreed that we need to do, which is actually to push the fact that the stringing part is the important part. I mean, a tournament cannot work without a decent stringing team and it can either make or break the, the tournament. Well, if you listen to every tournament, when the winner goes up, they are they actually thank everyone, including the person who brings the water, Picks up the balls, but there's only ever been once when a player actually says, I'd like to thank the stringers. There's only ever once we've ever, ever heard about it. So when they talk about unstrung heroes um, or unsung heroes, they're, I mean, the stringers' part in how a player can actually get to um, play their best tennis is definitely underrated and that is something that um Dennis and all of us in the advisory board it's something that we've definitely put a high on the agenda which means hey we really do need to make people aware of what a difficult job it is the stress that you're under when you're actually working in an event like this um because you know some people's hands shake when they're stringing a racket for someone say who's going on for the Wimbledon final who's playing for two and a half million pounds. You know, you're talking about serious money. And although a stringer can't make someone win, they can definitely make them lose if the racket isn't done as it should be so the the actual influence of the stringer on on anyone who's actually going out and playing playing tennis is is massive that's just something i'd like to put in. i, I wanted to put in there because of your when you mentioned it at the beginning where um making people aware of the the importance of the stringer and obviously we're not we're not the stars the players are the stars. We just happen to be there to be able to um, help them help them shine, let's say that.
0: Yeah, no, I think in equipment makes a difference. And I, what I've seen like over the years now talking, I, I help a lot of pro players with their racket choices and their string choices. And there seems to be a more of an understanding of how the gear affects their play. So I think maybe in the future we will definitely see a gradual more appreciation towards the stringer because... It is an important part of the whole equipment equation. And it's like, and it has to be fresh for the pros. So it's not like a, something you string it and then you play for the same string for two months, like some recreational players do. This is something that happens on a daily basis and they will quickly notice if it's done right or, or done wrong. And one of the interesting uh, things you mentioned was that uh, Diego traveled with uh, a small portable machine. And there are a bunch of portable machines. Uh, you, Mauro, with your technical background, uh, what would you say? How good can a portable machine be, and are they like, good enough for, for pros to, for example, travel with or more advanced juniors, if they want to string at tournaments and have their own uh, own machine with them?
6: Oh, well, I think portable machines are good for a certain level of players, as you mentioned, juniors, or uh, or even for uh, maybe an emergency stringing uh, at the hotel. Yeah, the the important thing of a machine is. Um, as Richard mentioned, is how the tension is applied to the strings, faster tension ed, or quicker, or and uh, of course, how the tension is kept constant while pulling, because uh, some portable machines, maybe they just apply a displacement and then the string is pulled to a certain tension, but then while you string, the string is losing already some tension. So it's really important how the tension is kept constant by the string machine and how the rest of the equipment is. Uh, if the tools are not uh, well maintained also, uh, the string could slip or the frame could not be fixed perfectly, could not breathe, uh, and the string job comes out completely different. And then you have five rackets and every racket is, has a different DT uh, As uh, Richard mentioned, uh, the great level of service was proved also by the fact that four different stringers could give the same DT on four different records. This is uh, the stringers expertise, but also the string machine uh, level and quality. So of course, portable machines are good for certain levels. Uh, When you go up to these uh, professional players, then you need, uh, of course, uh, higher level equipment.
0: No, I understand that. Uh, so, for example, uh, I can ask you, Martin, maybe how, how difficult is it to adjust to a machine? Like, for example, you, you have one machine that you're used to, and then you need to learn a new machine for a tournament. Is that something that takes a lot of time? How quickly do you get into that?
4: Basically, it doesn't change. Anything uh, on the process of uh, stringing, there might be just uh, one or two uh, little things, maybe in the uh, handling, uh, like or the menu of the machine, how the machine does it. Um, but uh, you know, most of us have enough experience um, uh, with the different machines. I am in possession of multiple machines, so I'm quite used to string on different machines because...
3: How many at the last count was it you've got? Uh,
4: How many machines? I purchased purchased another one during the tournament in East so now we are at 11 again. So I'm quite used to it, but I would say if you have a a certain level of uh, stringing, you have been stringing... on different machines and um, even though maybe it might have uh, it might have been a small uh, or a short moment you didn't uh, use a particular machine once you string one racket on it you get used back to it. and you remember yeah this is this and that and basically you get back to it so it's not uh, that difficult to adopt if you string on different machines
0: no i, I figured it the same i mean i string myself so i, I do switching between machines but but i only have one at home and i don't have 11 nobody
3: does nobody does nobody
0: has <laughs> no, I, no one i've ever heard of edwin so i was going to ask you like the difference of stringing like starting for example with a drop weight if this is a kind of question i think a lot of people out there if you're going to start stringing is it fine to go with a drop weight a crank machine or should you try to go for electronic like what is your opinion like how, what what should you aim for i mean obviously it depends on budget but how are, big are the differences
5: no, I think an electric machine uh, like head or the strings are going better in it than when a drop weight machine. Yeah, that, that, that's a really big difference.
0: How much difference do you think in, in terms of the finished job? Maybe someone else also wants to, to chime in. It's an interesting question because let's say you're, you play, um, you play, you're an ambitious player and you want to have you string your own rackets. Is it okay to get a drop weight machine or should you really try to save up to the electronic?
5: I think when you want to be a professional or you want to do something with your sport you have to do an electronic machine
2: for a professional um result, you you would you would normally turn around and you would hope that whoever's going there has a professional machine and uh it just means it can be done quickly with let's say constant results but then you could also turn around and say well martina hingis her mother used to string her rackets in her hotel room on a drop weight and she was number one in the world but there again her mother was only stringing for her so the fact that if it took her if it took a half an hour instead of 20 minutes or 45 minutes or an hour it didn't actually make any difference because time wasn't a factor when we're when we're working and i mean obviously when edwin turns around and says that a professional machine will give you a professional result it means that you can do a professional result very very quickly for us to do the same and i think all of us would agree that we can all string on a um on a drop weight it is constant pull because of um, gravity so um we could still do a quality restring on a natural on a on a drop weight but it would just take us longer and then the frame the frame wouldn't be as protected because all the the alloys used in it the supports aren't as strong the turntable isn't as stiff, which means that the frame is going to suffer more so all of these things for us as professionals and I mean as Edwin said, you know we wouldn't consider stringing on a tournament on anything less than uh, an electronic machine but there again if someone is starting out and they're stringing for themselves and they know their tension then why not if they're if they're working to a budget hey better to work on <clears> on that and then join the stringers community become part of the family with a drop weight i mean i started on a drop weight when i was eight it just happened to be wood at the time which is showing my uh, showing my age a little bit and then i went to a crank and then from a crank i used a crank and hey is it as good now on monofilament strings probably not um, and then I went on to electronic machines and electric machines, and then from there I've never looked back. I actually did use a drop weight about ten years ago. The I tried, I I strung a racket on it. It just it does take longer. It's more difficult. It just it's more fiddly, and and that's about it. So I mean, can a decent stringer get a decent result? Yeah, you can. But definitely not at at this sort of level where you need to do rackets in twenty minutes and and the con and you have a constant result.
3: So, um, what 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 do you guys think? For me, well, for me, I mean, fifteen years ago, I had a a gamma crank machine. Yeah, um, and there's nothing as a machine, you know, because uh, to to be frank, at that point in time, I you know I didn't have the, you know the money to sort of shell out three four thousand euros on an, on, a, on an electronic machine but there was nothing wrong with the gamma it was a good machine what i sort of did at that point was actually start undertaking more qualifications in stringing to get myself better so that then i could grow my particular business get, get clients get more season. but i knew that i was doing a good job with that machine yes as richard said It's easier and less fiddly using an electronic machine and it's a more guaranteed uh, consistency, you know, in in many circumstances, less need to calibrate. The the only thing with a a lockout machine is there is a more calibration needed more regularly uh, just by the very nature of it. But it was a good machine. And for someone, I would say for someone starting out who's not sure where they want to go with stringing, perhaps they just want to string their own rackets or a couple of their friends' rackets or whatever, nothing serious. They don't, you know, they, they, if they get a good quality lockout machine, that, that's a perfectly good way to start. Perfectly good way to start. They don't need, you don't necessarily need to go and get, you know, a three or four thousand plus electronic machine. But if you want to be more serious and go into professional stringing at tournament level or what have you, then this yes, you, you would need to look, you would, you have to consider that more of an investment to get an electronic machine.
0: Yeah, and also you can make some money then stringing for others, obviously. So uh, it's it's you have to look yeah. at it as more of a holistic plan then for your stringing exactly. career, I guess. Um, yeah, that that makes sense. I wanted to ask you, Hugh, uh, Federer retired. You're a Federer fanboy, as am I. Uh, how how was the emotions when you realized he's not going to play <laughs> an ATP match? I, I
3: was, I was in bits. I was I was broken. I was broken. No, um, well, it was it was kind of strange because. I got to, to string string his rackets. Obviously, I never thought, to be frank, that I'd ever do because, obviously, he has has his own stringer normally. So that was a thrill in itself. Where we were, we were very lucky. The stringing, the, the booth was basically courtside. So we were very close to the court. And, and um, martin and I, sort of, after we'd strung the rackets, we snuck snuck out and sort of watched, like, the last couple of, you know, the tie break, the second set, and the... And, we were stood there, and all of a sudden, it's like, uh, oh, I recognise that lady. She she walked. marker. They just came and stood next to us. <laughs> Ivan Lubitsch was next to us. I then got a message from my dad uh, saying, can I see you on the telly? And I was like, I hope not. Um, and Yeah, but it was, it was all a very um, very surreal experience sort of just being 20 feet away from him and just being part of that whole event, it was, it, 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 I'm not going to lie, it, it was, it got quite emotional towards the end there. I mean, Martin, you know, he was crying his eyes out, you know. <laughs>
4: mm. yeah, 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 you were next to me, you could see it, I do believe, yeah, but it was, I have to tell It was you embarrassing,
3: honestly. embarrassing. Yeah. yeah.
4: <laughs> yeah 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 no but i have to tell you honestly uh you and uh, myself uh apparent i didn't know that he was such a big federal fan but uh, t- <laughs> t- two people meeting uh, who had the same passion for federal so for us it was also uh we were positioning ourselves during the second set to uh, at the entrance, and then we had good places, and there was that guy sneaking in, uh, coming next close to me. I was looking to my left. And why has this guy to come in here and take my place? And I looked up. I looked at you, and uh, yeah, it was Lubutich. I say so I got even more excited than what could happen when uh, Federer finished the matches. Then Merker came with the twins.
3: To be fair, if we were any closer, we'd have been sat on the bench behind the umpire's chair.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, you have to sneak in. that's great. That was a great moment. I think a great farewell as well. So I think it was it was interesting to hear. And also, I guess like from your experience, if you're stringing at a slam and doing this kind of boutique style event, you're getting closer to everything, right? You have been the pace. Do you also get closer as a team? Like, is this there more like a team vibe in a smaller event like the Labor Cup than a Grand Slam, for example?
2: Uh, definitely there's less work but this team is much smaller we're, we're all together and when someone needs to step up and help someone else it's direct so everyone can see automatically um, someone needs help because of the rackets they've got behind them so then as a team we would come together and solve that problem so it was all about teamwork and in these boutique events, it's a little bit like in Davis Cup, it's slightly different because you're the only person for that team. Mm-hmm. Whereas here, we could actually all get together and, um, and step up If someone needed help, which there were certain times when when we had to take on someone else's do a help, another um, stringer because they had five rackets and we knew that it was time sensitive. So then we would take one on, which we wouldn't normally do. But in this case, as they were all coming out perfectly, it didn't really make that much difference. So there's no way any player would notice anything. and, And we could handle that situation. So certain teams, if we weren't as experienced, then we wouldn't have been able to, but because of the experience in the room, as it's such a small team, it means that, hey, and we all know each other anyway. So we've all met, we're all in the same circles. We all respect each other's abilities. So if you respect your fellow team member, in the end, it doesn't really make any difference who strings a certain racket. It's that You know that even if it might go out with your name on it, you have enough confidence in your teammate that, you could put, you say, yeah, yeah, these five rackets I did, and know that he's done just as good a job as you have. So that is, uh, that's really, really important as well.
0: Yeah, it must be the importance of the team. I mean, feeling confidence in, in your teammates. And I, that's, that's very important when whatever team sport you do or you're working together as, as you did in the Labour Cup. And I know you're busy, guys, and we've done an hour already. Uh, you want to have any final comments or anything you want to add or you want to push your own stringing service? That is fine.
2: Well, the, the, the good thing with, uh, with the, obviously the team was, although it was the head stringing team, it was powered by GRSA, which yep. um, everyone is a GRSA member, all tour, tour certified. So everyone is a member of the GRSA international stringing team. Um, and then from there, then, hey, anyone else, anyone wants to learn or wants to um, become a member, we'd love to, jo- you know, them to join the family. And if there's something that they need to, if they believe that, hey, I'd like to take up stringing, we teach, we have courses for people to take up stringing, which means we'd be welcoming more people into um, this craft that we that we all love. So if there is anyone out there, then, um, then please come and join us because, hey, if, whichever country you're in, we've always got a good manager there who is literally of our level. So level capable of stringing Rogers racket Novak, um Andy, all of those Rafa. So we are capable of going at that level. So we have something to be able to show other other stringers. So and we're all very very generous with our knowledge. So um, that's probably the one thing that I would like to say. And then I'll pass it over to everyone else and say thanks, Jonas, for, for, for having me on the, on the podcast and being part of the Tennis Nerd um, experience. Yeah, so cool. um, thank you very much. And I'll hand over to one of my teammates.
5: It was a very good uh, week for me. It was, I have never experienced this before. Uh, thank you, Tennis Nerd. Uh, it was uh, good talking with you. And for me, it was my first podcast. So thank you.
0: Bedankt, bedankt. Uh,
3: Jonas, just wanted to say thank you just mainly for, for having us on and sort of, um, you know, drawing attention to, to stringing and stringers. Hopefully it's been of interest, you know, to, to the people who will be listening, um, you know, that our experiences at the Labour Cup. So, you know, thank you for thank you for having us.
4: Uh, Jonas, I would like to say uh, thank you too for this uh, special opportunity um, to have us here. And, uh, yeah, um, hope to see you soon, hear from you soon. I'm sure uh, we meet here or there. So talk to you soon.
6: Danke. And at last but not least, I I want to express again my thank you to the team because of the great uh, service they have uh, provided uh, under the name of HEAD. And uh, again, as Richard said, uh, there are a lot of opportunities of uh, in every country to learn stringing, to increase the level. And uh, I think this is a great opportunity for everybody. And thanks to you, Jonas, for hosting us today.
0: All right. That's a great way to end. Thanks again, guys. If you ever want to come and talk strings or stringing, uh, you know where to find me. Just contact me and we'll we'll, we'll do another podcast or something. I appreciate your time. Have a nice day. And uh, yeah, we keep in touch. Thanks. Thank you, Jonas.
3: Take care.
0: Thank you, Jonas. Thank you. Bye-bye. Ciao, ciao, guys.